Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Highly Functional. This is Brianne Showman, and I am joined today by chiropractor, Dr. Jan Kasperowitz. Jan and I had a great conversation about how he treats his patients differently than what you can think about when you think a chiropractor. How he gets involved in functional movement, mindset, gut health, and all of these things that have a huge impact on our function and on our well-being. Whether you are an athlete, a clinician, or a coach, I think you will find this information highly valuable. So let's tune in. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing this morning? I'm doing great. It's a great morning so far, so no complaints here. Yeah, it's a little chilly here in Jersey. It's, uh, it's down in the teens, but it's supposed to warm up into the 40s. So I'm looking to go out for a bike ride just a little bit. Oh, that'll be nice. So you actually reached out to me after I wrote a blog post fairly recently. And we had a great conversation about what you do as a chiropractor and how you kind of branch out differently. And which that's what I want to really dive into today. But before we do that, just introduce yourself a little bit. Who are you? What do you do? And uh, go from there. Uh, I'm, uh, my name's Jan Kaspert. I'm a chiropractic physician. I've been practicing now for about 20 years. I first I knew I wanted to be a chiropractor when I was 16. Uh, I came down with a really serious, uh, severe case of bronchitis back when I was 16. And I was going to a lot of medical doctors, doing a lot of uh, antibiotics. Nothing was helping. I lost like 30 pounds of body weight. Uh, my English teacher at the time uh, pulled me aside in class and she told me that um, you're disrupting the class with all your coughing. You know, you might want to take a look at my chiropractor. So I didn't go to her chiropractor, but I had no idea what a chiropractor even did. So I went to him. I saw him twice. And he, all he did was he did a really good exam, did a really good history. And he basically just adjusted my neck two separate visits. And after that second visit, I got my appetite back. And you have to understand, the only thing I had an appetite for was strawberry cheesecake. <laughs> and then my mom was like, she got to the point like like two months into it, she, has, she told me, she's like, do you have any idea how much a strawberry cheesecake costs? So I'm like, she was buying literally a strawberry cheesecake every other day. So then after the second visit, I got my appetite back. And I kid you not, that was, I was 16. I'm 46 now. I have not been sick since I was 16. So about 15, 16 years ago, I had a really bad case of a sinus infection, which, you know, I had a couple of days out of work. And the only reason I went back into, the, into a, to a doctor's office was because uh, I started coughing up blood. I was like, oh, boy, this is it. And it's the big C word. So then uh, I went to the doctor. He's like, do you have bad sinus infection? I'm like, you're really bad for months. And he told me, um, it's just the scarring in your sinuses or you're loosening up and that's all it was. So in, even in my office today, it's like I'll go in my office and um, patients will call up and they try to reschedule because they have a cold or the flu. And I'll tell them like, listen, I, I don't get sick. So if you want to come by, if you're comfortable enough to come by, by all means, you can come by the office. I, I don't get sick. I would truly believe that if you create an environment within your body, your body, you pretty much could fight off pretty much anything and everything. That's why I'm huge like into like building up uh, gut health using uh, your own biome to basically make uh, impervious like um, protection against other viruses and bacteria. But um, I've been doing chiropractic for 20 years. I did the regular chiropractic thing for 
probably the first six years because that's what you learn in school. Uh, you learn the three times a week, you know, adjust, you know, in our school, actually, I went to New York Chiropractic College. They taught a lot about different exercises and strengthening and stuff too, which was great, but it's, it's, it's not very practical. It's not very functional. You know, it looks great on paper and it's people don't want to come into an office three times a week. So after six years, you know, I noticed that um, I was still working for other people and I've only been on my own practice for like the last seven years. So once I decided to go into my own practice, I'm like, I, I can't do these treatment plans. And that's the other issue too. A lot of these insurance companies want treatment plans. You know, I'm out of network. I've always been out of network because I don't want to um, treat my patients uh, the way the, the insurance companies prefer, or actually a better way to say is what they're going to reimburse. Mm -hmm. Pretty much whatever I do in my office, especially for my cash patients, none of the insurance covers, companies cover it, but they get better a lot quicker. So I found out that uh, unless barring any kind of like traumatic injury, like a serious knee injury, ankle sprain even, or like a rotator cuff, if it's insidious onset, which means it just comes out of nowhere, we could really get them better probably like in two, three visits. I've had patients who come in with insidious knee pain from running, and they've been running for 15 years. They've always had this pain. We just find a muscle that's not functioning, get it to activate, and wow, their pain is gone. And then we have them use do our functional strengthening. So what I did, I got this great guy. His name is Dominic Perlo. He's fantastic as a functional strength specialist. He's also a, a marathoner, a triathlete. And we work together very well because I'll get them out of pain in two or three visits. Then we do a functional movement screen, which is introduced by Greg Cook, which is a fantastic way to screen patients. Once they're out of pain, we do a functional uh, movement screen, see where their dysfunctions are. Then Dom works with them. And then pretty much the cool thing is, we don't get a lot of patients that do come back, but I do work with a lot of athletes. So they get like overuse injuries that are coming up for that, but it's much more gratifying knowing that patients are getting better and it's pretty much permanent. Not the greatest business model because you're not constantly getting people come back with the same issue. But the cool thing is I could sleep at night. I have a conscience. So I know that it's like, oh, no, I see them on the, the, the appointment book. They're coming in for their 36th visit and they're still not better. That's because I don't treat symptoms. You know, I don't treat MRIs either because I get people come in with these MRIs with these crazy findings. And I had a, a cool, really quick story. I had a gentleman who's trying to get into the state police academy. And this is the most absurd thing I see, but I've seen it frequently. And he said, I have no dorsiflexion. Um, they want to do a cortisone injection this week. They want to do surgery in two weeks. And then I have my, my state police test in a month. So I looked, I was, like, I was expecting to see a guy limping into the office. And what I saw actually was a very a guy in very good shape. And he works for PSC&G, which is our public service electric and gas. And he walks 10 to 14 miles a day. So how can you walk 10 to 14 miles a day without being able to dorsiflex and I looked at his ankle and we did a dorsiflex test. He has perfect dorsiflexion. And then he showed me this MRI with all these findings. So I'm like, that's good. Let's put that to the side. And I asked him, did your orthopedist even take a look at your ankle? He's like, no. All he did was read, he literally just read the MRI and wanted to schedule him for, for surgery. And I'm like, that's absurd. So I'm like, you know, in another two, three visits, we're going to do some more strengthening, break up some scar tissue, get you on the treadmill and never get you to the state police test. But that's pretty much sums up my story. I love that. Um, it's really interesting how you and I are very similar in, I don't want to say treatment patterns, but just the way that 
we can both get people better in those two to three visits. And then after that, it's like, let's just get you re-strengthening for performance, for function, for whatever's necessary. Um, just by actually like picking up those little subtle things that everyone else is missing. Yeah, I agree. And the thing is, it's like, we don't keep people on treatment plans, but what we do do is uh, we encourage them to, what I've done is um, I've branched out to a lot of other avenues like uh like personal trainers uh people that do training Krav Maga, crossfit all these other disciplines and i find out what my patients actually want to do what's your goal you want to run a 5k i got a great coach for 5ks you want to go do jujitsu i got a couple great coaches for jujitsu so then what we have them do is we have them come in maybe once a week and we'll continue doing functional strengthening and mobility exercises to keep them healthy and prevent injuries while they're continuing through their whatever other kind of activity they want to do. So it's not like we're completely releasing the patient. We are, but we're allowing them to continue with us with that functional strengthening component. Yeah, that's very cool. I love it. I want to go to talk about the imaging a little bit. Um, just because I know so many physicians that's all they focus on so many patients when they get these images and these or the document that says what's wrong with them just so focus on the issue and an mri doesn't say anything at the end of the day about what's going on it's just kind of a a thing that's there and i want you to talk a little bit more about about that and how Focusing on what that says does not necessarily mean anything. That's a great topic because I, I was the guy who probably four years ago, everybody got an MRI. You know, I had a whole bunch of MRI facilities come to the office. They're like, we will get you the MRI. We'll get you the appointment that day. We will even pick up the patient if you want to. And we'll get you, we'll get everything, you know, sent to your office. Uh, wet copy. So as soon as it's done, we have somebody take a look at it. So yeah, I was actually using a lot of MRIs and I do spinal decompression therapy too in my office. I actually used it for myself. It works very well. And then I noticed that um, what I was finding on the actual MRI reports wasn't actually coinciding with the patient's symptoms. A great example was the beginning of 2019. I had this gentleman, I was out to lunch uh, with 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 uh, another person that I work with, and uh, he sent me a text, a patient, because everybody gets me through my text through my phone. They sent me a text of this MRI with this massive disc herniation, and I sh uh, I just showed it to the other person I was work I, I work with. I was like, look at the size of this disc herniation. I'm like, there's no way I'm going to help this person. It's definitely a surgical candidate. So he came into the office. I was expecting somebody to come in limping or being carried in. He walked in nonchalant and uh, I asked him like zero to 10, how much is your pain? He's like, it's like a two. And I'm like, okay. And then I, I do a very deep history. Another thing too, I always look when I do histories, I always look to see if there's underlying, any underlying anxiety or depression issues too. Very important component to getting people better. But besides the point, I told him like, you are aware of your, your, your MRI. He goes, yes, I know. Nobody wants to treat me because they see this huge disc herniation. But the thing is, the only thing I have in my back is stiffness. Stiffness in the morning and stiffness when I get up. And uh, I've been told it's stable, but nobody wants to treat my back. So I'm like, all right, so let's treat your back. So literally, it took probably seven, maybe eight visits. Uh, uh, 
both chiropractic, uh, doing decompression therapy, and then a lot of functional movement strengthening. And he's been pain and symptom free since about mid March of this year. So that shows you, you can see this huge herniation, which is located in an area that's not disrupting anything. And I try to explain to my patients when they're asking me, can you send me out for an MRI? I'm like, you came in once. I'm like, let's do some conservative care. Let's get through this inflammatory phase. Let's do some strengthening of everything first and then see how you're doing. And if you're not doing better, we're sending you out for an MRI. And the beautiful thing is this year, I've sent nobody out for an MRIs. So, and then I have other patients also, they're coming in with like electrodiagnostic testing, which I really don't see the purpose of them for getting these tests done. And it's like they get carpal tunnel. And I'm like, well, let's check carpal tunnel symptoms in your first two fingers. Let's check your, your neck, shoulder, elbow, wrist. Let's see where it's coming from. We don't need to shock you down your arm to see, you know, where your symptoms are. We just have to, have to ask you some good questions, see where you're, what dysfunctional issues you have. And most importantly is what's your posture all day? You know, that's a contributing factor to it as well. And that history plays such a huge role. Taking a gut history takes such a huge role in what we do and to not miss anything. Uh, I had one recently developed foot drop following a hip replacement surgery. And had seen other therapists, all they were doing was addressing kind of that lower leg foot area. And I had a conversation. It's like, has anyone addressed your back at all? Has anyone looked at your back? No, not at all. I treated for her back for like six visits and she had good strength, good function. Just only thing lacking now is just overall strength because of atrophy, because this has been a two-year process. And it's like, how, like, in my mind, I kind of think, how are people not taking a full history and understanding, like, are getting a good understanding of where all the potential areas are. Absolutely. And what we've recently done is we've put together these workshops for, uh, especially for teachers. And uh, we try to cover three topics with them. We try to cover movement, uh, nutrition, and also uh, mindset. Uh, and the important of, importance of that is because it's these teachers, you have to, uh, the, we recently went to this one school in this town called Wallington. It was a middle, middle school. So they're teaching kids who are, they have to sit in little chairs with these kids all the way. So there's basically, their teachers are in different postures, no matter what kind of grade they're teaching. They're not allowed to go pee because they can't drink water because they're teaching a class. They can't go ahead and do kind of certain stretches because they just have no time. So what we've done is basically we try to assess like what's the most common postures for these teachers. And I'd say eight out of 10 of those teachers have that posture. So we're just showing them what they need to do mechanically throughout the day to basically exactly like you were mentioning, like the foot drop after the hip issue is they're having numbness and tingling into the hands. They're getting all nervous and everything. And it's a lot of it's a stress issue because they're so stressed out. They, they, their subocipitals get tight, their traps get tight, impinges upon nerves, and could be easily modified just by doing some pec stretching, doing some levator scap or some trap stretching as well in between classes or even during classes. And we've got some good feedback from our patients that they said they basically significantly noticed significant amount of changes just by adding these things over the last three or four days. So I agree, history is huge. Yeah, that's really cool. It's a great idea to go into because yeah, so many teachers have issues and you don't think about the fact that they 
can't do certain things or they have to maintain certain postures. So that's really cool. I want to talk about the mindset direction a little bit and the stress issue too, but because of how much that plays a role in healing process, in the injury process, in our functional process altogether. Um, what do you get into when it comes to mindset with your patients? Well, um, in full disclosure, I've had anxiety, like social anxiety for years. Ever since I was in grade school, I used to get like stomach aches and stuff when I was like in fourth and fifth grade all the time. And then I just thought it was like this nervous anxiety. And then I had a couple of bouts of depression too. And I'm like, wow, this mindset thing, it's, it's, it's very, very important because it's like, if you ever notice somebody who's depressed, they're basically in a slouched over, over posture. And you also notice they're slouched over, their heads forward, they can't breathe, which is a huge component because now you have somebody who's depressed. Um, maybe they're sitting in front of a desk all day and now they have like this bilateral, bilateral shoulder rounding too. And just besides the muscular dysfunction and pain they're having with it, they can't expand their rib cage and can't breathe, which means they're not getting enough oxygen, which means they're basically their cells aren't getting enough vitality because they're not getting enough oxygen. So it's a chain reaction to everything. And same thing is with anxiety. It's, um, I really uh, stress the importance of, of mindset starting your day. Like there's a great book by Hal Elrod called uh, The Miracle Morning. Uh, I am one of the people who do start, who does wake up at four o'clock in the morning. The only issue is if you have a dog, um, not the greatest idea because then if you want to wake up at five, your dog will wake up at four. So there's no way around it. You're going to have to slowly change and wake up later with the dog because the dog wants to get up early. But I find that if you get your mindset set in the morning with some definitely meditation, and you don't have to do it in the morning, but I find it most advantageous for myself. I meditate, I journal. And the first time I had to journal, I'm like, what am I going to journal about? So the first time I journaled, I just wrote down, and this is what I also do in our workshops. I talked about, um, I don't know what to journal. So I wrote, I read everybody my first journal, uh, what I wrote down, which was, I'm happy to wake up next to my wife in my bed, in my house. And then just, there was a pretty... Um, dramatic way I felt after writing that the first time because wow I'm like I just named three simple things but just writing those things down and understanding that I have this took a huge load off my shoulders so some days are just writing are just writing thank you other times I write a whole full full page in but the whole idea of gratitude definitely lifts a lot of anxiety off and I do believe you need to you need to read you need to get other people's perspective on their anxiety like another book, like it's called Awareness, being much more aware of yourself too. And I'm not, people also understand or they have this belief that um, life is short. It's horseshit. Life is long. I mean, your life is very long. It's like I'm 46 and I was thinking about it the other day driving to a seminar. I'm like thinking back into my 20s, that feels like, like a long time ago. And I'm 46. I do plan to live 90, maybe to 100 years old. I have two full lifetimes left to go. So I try to address that to patients too. Stop focusing on next week, next month. Let's just focus now on a, a task at hand. And I too are, are explained to them because I dramatically shifted my practice from seeing 100 people a week. And from, by some standards, chiropractors see 100 people a day. I don't know how they do that. But I saw 100 people a week 
I was working seven days a week and I was hustling. But the thing is, I wasn't present because I was focusing, like, I hope I get 100 patients a week because, you know, I, I, I have this standard. So now I see no more than 50. I spend a full 45 minutes to an hour with every single patient. And our initial, um, the initial part of the appointment is just talking. I want to talk to them, see how they're walking with their posture, see if I'm picking up some good vibes from them too. And that's a huge component. The other thing too is I find with mindset, I gave everybody my cell number. And I have a couple of patients who are going through some significant bouts of depression, especially now since we're in December and it's besides seasonal affective disorder, which affects a lot of people. They also have this feeling like, you know, there's no, I have nobody in my life you know, and all this. So I tell them, here's my cell number. You have 24 seven access to me. Call me anytime, you know, do not have to drink, you know, give me a call on Saturday, send me a text on Saturday or Sunday. I will get back to you and let's just talk. We're all part of this human family. So once people understand that, then they're like, oh, well, I actually do have people in my life. So that's my whole mindset. It goes a lot deeper than a lot of doctors are comfortable to go into. I, I don't give a crap because it makes me feel good because when I do have a lot of anxiety, the first thing I do I'll call up other people who I know are also going through things and I'll talk to them and try to help them through their anxiety issues as well. It makes me feel better. It's just a little selfish, but that selfishness helps me and helps my, helps my friends and, and uh, patients. Absolutely. That's great. Question on awareness. Is that the Anthony DeMello book? Yeah, very good book. Yep. Yeah, uh, the beginning so of the book is insane because he makes you feel like an idiot. But then he goes really deep into it and I was like, wow, this is a great book. That's awesome. So yeah. when I was in Ohio two weeks ago, um, one of my friends are actually mentioned that book to me. I was actually about to start it today, um, but my mind was just racing too much, so I decided to do a longer meditation to shut that down, and I'll start it tomorrow. So I'm super excited. Sure. And the thing is, I do meditate. I don't meditate every day now. I meditated for like 270 consecutive days, and then I was like, you know what? It's... um. I want to see if I could, I meditate when I need to. Mm -hmm. So sometimes what I do is like on Thanksgiving on Thursday, I grabbed a pair of pruning shears and I pruned every bush on my property. And that put me kind of like in the meditative state, gave me, put me, self, I was aware, I was present time conscious in what I was doing. And I felt exactly the same as after I meditated because I did something constructive I was alone. I was outside. I was in the sun. I was breathing some nice fresh air too. So you don't necessarily have to meditate. I know some people go, go for a run. Uh, I do a lot of a long distance cycling. I try not to meditate on the bike because there's cars out there, but meditating is not for everybody. I do uh, headspace, which is about 10 minutes. I've tried to do 15 minutes. I'm asleep at like 12 minutes. So I try not to do it before I go to bed because they'll put me out to sleep and I'd rather do it 10 minutes and use it as a more functional thing. And I think you made a great point there. Um, kind of a big theme of this year that I've been working with my coach is life is a meditation and just bringing the, just being more aware and in the moment and more present with what you're doing. And that's what you explained exactly is just whether you're walking and just paying attention to the nature sounds around you or the smells around you or the, where you're, whether you're pruning shears and just that awareness and, and just really in, like being mindful and in the moment of what you're doing rather than like needing to sit in one place and meditate necessarily. Sure, sure.
I want to get into, you mentioned in the beginning um, when talking about your health and your immunity and gut health and nutrition. I want to dive into that a little bit because it is so important with our overall health, with injuries and everything that happens with our body. So what do you address from a gut health standpoint, either with yourself or how do you address it with your patients? I'm, I go like really deep end with stuff, but it's like, I try not to take, I, I have full transparency. I have my own supplement line and uh, there's a lot of different things that we have. And I, I have like 15 products and then I'm looking at everything on my, on my product shelf at work and my office. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to cut it down to five because there's a lot of things that you don't need to take supplements for. You could actually get a, a lot from your own food. So right here, like in this thing that I'm drinking here, I make my own kombucha. So kombucha is fantastic. Uh, to buy some good kombucha in stores, like three fifty a bottle, I can make it for thirty-five cents. You go onto Amazon, you get a scoby spore, and it's very simple to make with some water and some sugar. And I use lemon balm tea as the tea, which also helps with anxiety. But kombucha has an enormous amount of bacteria in it, which will help proliferate and create really good gut health. So I find that especially from a mindset point of view, um, majority of your neurotransmitters are created in your gut. So dopamine, serotonin, everything is there. So if you get things from a foundation level, like building up your gut through kombucha, the other thing I also make is kefir and people think it's weird, but it's like, or buy like a gallon, like a half a gallon of milk. I bought same thing, Amazon. I went on Amazon, got some kefir grains. You buy a gallon of milk. You basically put the kefir grains in, the, in a mason jar. You fill it up with a half a gallon of milk and you leave it on your counter for about 36 hours. And people think it spoils. It doesn't spoil. It basically ferments with the uh, kefir grains. And there's like 60 active cultures of bacteria in the kefir that I make. Compared to like if you're eating Greek yogurt, you might get two or three. And you don't know how viable they are. So basically, the, the bacteria, these, these probiotics, what they're doing is they're actually going ahead and um, competing against the bad bacteria in your gut. So it's not like you could kill off the bad bacteria unless you take an antibiotic, you wipe everything out, which I'm not opposed to either because I have a patient who has um, Rocky Mountain fever and she was freaked out. And I'm like, no, 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 this is good because you're going to take a bacteria, uh, you're going to take an antibiotic for two weeks, it's going to kill everything. And now we have our, we're put you in a position where we could build up really good uh, microbiome. And she didn't really understand the importance of it until I told her this really one important fact that out of 100% of the DNA in your body, only 2% is human DNA. The other 98% of the DNA in your body are different microbes and, uh, and bacteria from other, from other things living in you. So we're basically just a house for everything else to live in. So if you want to be healthy, if you do not want to get sick, if you want to make, make sure that um, um, you're impervious to certain bacterias and uh, viruses, you need good gut health. And now they just came out with a study also that shows that uh, people who don't brush their teeth enough have a higher risk and incidence of cardiac disease because now they're starting to link bacteria in your mouth with heart disease because you're not brushing as frequently. So that's, it's, I think everything is linked down to gut health, especially the huge part of if you're depressed, if you're anxious, 
let's do foundational stuff. Do not start taking meds. Build up your gut biome, do some meditating, read some books, get outside, get poisonous people out of your life. That's huge. I mean, if like I tell everybody, it's um, in high school, I hung out with everybody. You know, I was an equal opportunity friend. But then as I got older, and this isn't to be say I'm better than anybody, but I want to soar with the eagles. So I find people who I want to be like or be associated with, and I hang out with those people. I don't hang out with turkeys. It's a huge component. That's really huge because there is so much of you are that person who you spend the most time with. And and by purging those toxic people, you become a better person. Doc, what's your opinion? Are, are you doing anything for gut health? I... I do. Um, kombucha primarily. Um, I don't, for the most part, consume dairy, which is why I tend to stay away from kefir. But um, I do drink kombucha. And then that's kind of my main thing. And then other than that, just, yeah, just general healthy eating. Sure. Absolutely. But yeah, I, I definitely talk a lot about gut health with people and incorporate nutrition into a lot of what I do because of how important it is for decreasing inflammation in the body and and, and promoting healing in the body. Absolutely. And I come from a long line of Polish farmers. So um, I was a veget- I've tried every single diet there is. I've tried, uh, I was paleo. I was, I've been, I'm mostly keto now, but I've done paleo, keto. I've been vegetarian. I've been vegan. I tried the South Beach diet and you got to try everything and see what works for you. So I basically got a little bit of wisdom for everything, but I always fall back on the fact that I come from a long line of Polish farmers. We still have a farm in Poland. So I'm the, the, the snout to tail guy. I eat every part of an animal. It's like today I'll be eating like, uh, it's called blood sausage, which is basically coagulated pig's blood with barley. And it's got, it's tasty. And it's what my genes, I've done the 23 and me. So I basically try to eat what's where I'm from, which is Eastern Europe. So I basically reduced the amount of coconut oil because although it's really healthy for me, there's not many coconuts in Poland. So I'm staying, I eat more like Kerrygold. I do eat saturated fats. I get blood work done and everything is pretty much in line, even though I'm increasing the amount of uh, saturated fats that I do eat. All the numbers do look good. That's very cool. And something I've, now that you mentioned that, I thought about doing it a while back to 23andMe and then never did it. But yeah, really thinking about eating based on what your genetics are and, and how that's impactful for you. Sure. Well, cool. Uh, just kind of close it out a little bit. If someone wants to get in contact with you, have any questions for you, how can they find you? Um, the easiest thing, to, well, my cell number is 917-748-2902. Anybody could call me or text me anytime. You could get me on Facebook at New Jersey Chiropractic and Sports Recovery. We're also on on YouTube under the same under the same address. But Facebook's usually easy. Um, text messaging is easy as well. We're all over the other social media uh, sites as well, but probably Facebook or even um, uh, LinkedIn's also something I've been using quite a bit too, but phone call or Facebook's fine. Very cool. Well, Jan, thank you so much for your time today. I really appreciate you sharing your information with my audience. Awesome. I really appreciate it. Thank you. And that concludes this week's episode of Highly Functional. If you enjoyed it and found the information helpful, I invite you to head over to Facebook and join my group, Obstacle Course Racing Athlete Health and Performance, where you can both join your OCR tribe, as well as find very helpful, useful information on how to become a more dominant racer, a more resilient racer, and truly race at your peak performance. And until next time, 
let's go out and be highly functional. <laughs>